Hello, and welcome to Marriage Unchained, the art of one flesh, where saving marriages, saving families, and saving souls is the flavor of the day. Now, let's join our host and author of Marriage Unchained, Catholic Alpha Radical, Jerry Jacobs Jr. Welcome to episode 32. Today's focus, Bulldog Lawyer, Big John Malloy. How to save your marriage when she doesn't want to. So sit back, relax, take a chill pill, and get ready to rock. But don't duck. Can you feel it? Catholic Alpha Radical coming at you now. Hello and welcome to Catholic Alpha Radical, the podcast that helps you fix your Catholic marriage while also giving you winning tactics for marriage problems, girlfriend problems, and intimacy problems for men. Moreover, where my main mission is to keep you out of divorce court and where marriage unchained, the art of one flesh, divorce, combat coaching is the flavor of the day while also helping men understand marriage and courting, not dating, in the Catholic faith. Why? Because dating is for sex and courting is for marriage. In this 30-second episode, Bulldog Lawyer, Big John Malloy, how to save your marriage when she just doesn't want to. Bam! So, here we have quote of the day. Let's do this. Quote of the day. Quote. In history, the only causes that die are those for which men refuse to die. The more love grows, the more its eyes open to the needs of others, to the miseries of men, and to compassion. The remedy for all the sufferings of modern brain lies in the enlargement of the heart through love, which forgets itself as the subject and begins to love the neighbor as the object. But he who lives for himself will eventually find that nature, fellow man and God are all against him. The so-called persecution complex is the result of egotism. The world seems against him who wants everything for himself. End quote. Venerable Archbishop Fulton J. Sheen, book three, to get married. She's asked for divorce. Now what? Of course, you just didn't see it coming, but it has. So now what do you do? Well, what you do is, step one, you decide to man up and fight for her no matter what. Step two, decide if one of these categories in the marriage maintenance master plan fits your situation. A, she's asked for a divorce. B, she has left the home. C, mutually agreed separation but didn't want it. D, she's in the home but distant or separate bedrooms. E, you're divorced but didn't want it. Now, step three, if you are in one of these critical situations or close to it, then register to watch the Marriage Masterclass immediately at www.savemycatholicmarriage.com. 
Step four, after watching the masterclass, get the help you need by scheduling a discovery and strategy session to receive a proven plan of action tailored specifically for your situation. Many husbands will look at this and go back to allowing their marriage to fade into oblivion, accepting failure. But some will look at this and say, wonder if this works. Those are the warriors. Those are the husbands I want to go into battle with. Those are the husbands I want to work with. So allow me to help. Those that do nothing have a 100% chance of failure. Those that decide to battle, fight and act like true men become worthy of winning their beloved back. Which are you? Visit www.savemycatholicmarriage.com That's www.savemycatholicmarriage.com Learn how to once again become her hero. everybody welcome to catholic alpha radical and today i'm gonna do my segment on man on fire and today i have my friend john malloy he attends holy rosary catholic church in indianapolis with me he has been married 10 years to his beloved wife amy he has two children sophia five and evelyn two he has an he is an assistant da in, in indianapolis indiana which is where I am from. And we brought John here for a special purpose today to help us dissect the divorce culture in the country um, and how it works inside the justice system and how it intertwines with our beloved Catholic Church. So welcome, Big John. How you doing, brother? Doing well. How are you doing, Jerry? Good, man. I know that this is hard for you to come on in the middle of the day because you are a serious, serious on fire attorney. <laughs> you got a lot of things going on. <laughs> Honestly, it's a nice little reprieve. Oh, what do you mean? Oh, I'm, I'm working today, filing motions and doing all sorts of stuff. So I'm taking an early lunch and spending the latter part of my morning with you. So I mean, who who would I rather look at, you or criminals? I don't know, bro. <laughs> criminals. I'd rather be looking at criminals, Jerry. <laughs> so um, first of all, we're going to get into understanding the divorce culture and stuff a little later. But first, man, I want to do some background with you. Um, I always do my dudes, man, how they, you know, uh, you know, because I know you love the cat. I know, you, I know you love the faith, man. I see it every Sunday with you and your wife and your family and stuff. And you're there um, and you're very reverent. So that's why one of the reasons why I have you on. But I didn't tell you that when I asked you to do the interview. Flattery <laughs> so, will get you. Uh, <laughs> so the first question I want to ask you is how did you and Amy meet? Uh, how old are you guys? Let's see. I'm. 36-ish? I was born in 83, so you do the math. I don't know. I stopped, counting. I, I stopped counting a long time ago. 
I don't do birthdays. I don't need. I I don't count either. And then Amy's just a filthy liar. She always says she's thirty. For the longest time, she said she was twenty-eight, but she's a liar. She's she's very Christ-like this year. She's thirty-three. <laughs> oh, okay. Um, so everyone from Holy Rosary who's listening to this, uh-huh. uh, I did not say that. You didn't. Thirty. She's thirty. She's thirty. Got you. She's I'll make lying, sure. and I'm swearing to it. So that's the way this works. Um, we met in, on May twenty fourth, two thousand nine, in Coeur Idaho. How do you know the exact date, man? Um, because if my wife asked me that, I'd be screwed. Well, because <laughs> I'm awesome, and you're not, Jerry. That's right. <laughs> hey, I, I got to give credit where credit's due on that one. No, it was it was a Sunday. It was after mass. Um, mm-hmm. My best friend and I were uh, just got a church. We uh-huh. uh, were attending school at Gonzaga University in Spokane, Gonzaga. Washington. Uh, go Bulldogs! Uh, we uh, got out of church and decided we were going to go for ice cream. And the best place in the Pacific, in the Northwest, for ice cream is the uh, Dockside Restaurant at the Coeur d'Alene Resort some 40 miles away. So we uh, got in my car and we drove to um, Coeur d'Alene, Idaho. And uh, on the way there, uh, we called one of my sister's friends, Miss Frances Walker. Uh, My sister had moved to the greater Chicago area earlier uh, in the year. And we thought my sister's friend Frances may be lonely. So we called Frances and invited her to go get ice cream with us. And um, she had said, oh, you know, I'd love to come, but I'm not driving. I'm um, celebrating a friend's 21st birthday. Uh, do you mind if I bring some friends? And I leaned over to my buddy, Adam. And I'm like, Francis has some hot friends. We should, you know, yeah. Francis yeah. bring friends. <laughs> and, uh, so like, yeah, you know, the more the merrier. So, uh, um, sure enough, uh, Francis showed up and, uh, she brought Amy with her, my wife and, uh, mm-hmm. Amy is very attractive. So mm-hmm. um, uh, Francis had called me. Uh, Adam and I had gone to the restaurant before Francis and, and Amy did. Um, probably no one who listens to your podcast has ever been to the Coeur d'Alene Resort, but it's a four or five star um, resort built out into the Coeur d'Alene Lake in uh-huh. Idaho. And it's supported by these pylons built into the lake. So I was, uh, I got up from the table and walked out to meet Francis and Amy, who I'd never met Amy before. Oh, okay. I stepped out of the way so another family could walk by behind one of these pylons and then stepped forward to give Miss Francis a hug. And Miss Francis is a, a full figured woman who does not normally give people hugs. Yeah. And um, Amy, who at that time was uh, just finishing up a uh, pre-law enforcement program going into a pre-med program, for some reason on a Sunday morning at a five-star resort, thought I might be a serial rapist and uh, tased me to the ground. What? Yeah, tased me. Why? Because she didn't think that her very large friend should be getting a hug from someone she didn't know. Oh man, I'd have punched her, dude. I don't punch women, but I'd have punched her. I don't. 
Well, you know, my mother, I recovered. the good Irish woman she is, she says you never hit a lady unless she hits you first. That's right. So, <laughs> I don't, boy, what the so um, I mean, she knew my sister, and my sister was Amy's resident assistant in college, yeah. but uh, I don't look anything like my sister. Um, I'm a good foot and a half taller than my sister, almost two feet taller than my sister. So, mm-hmm. um, Francis was like, that's Betsy Malloy's brother. And Amy was like, oh, hi. Yeah, you had her before you even said a word. She probably felt so sorry for you. <laughs> no, no, she's not. She's she not did. so sorry for me at all. Oh. But uh, we spent the entire rest of the day hanging out together on the lake. Um, we crashed her friend's 21st birthday run. The -hmm. next day was my roommate's 21st birthday. So we just piggybacked on each other's, um, birthday party celebrations, um, hung out that entire summer. And I knew by the end of that summer that she was the one for me. So um, how, we were engaged. Yeah. In, so how did okay? Not you. Uh, uh. I'm not letting you get past this one. How did you propose to her, dude? <laughs> uh, I proposed New Year's Eve. Oh, it would have been. I mean, I at, like we were talking about. It, I went. I took her home to my parents at Christmas to introduce her to my parents. Mm. But I proposed officially New Year's Eve in Coeur d'Alene, where we'd spent that first day um, and watching the fireworks go off. And um, she said yes. I know, but was it, was, it a, was it a quick yes or a crying yes? Or was it just... crying not looking at my hand ah. the size <laughs> of the ring? Oh, okay. All right. All right, man. So what... Um, so why? What first did what? What attracted you to Amy, and why did why did you marry her? Uh, I'm completely shallow. Me too. Uh, the blonde hair and the that's blue right, blonde. bro. I'm with you. Perfect skin tone. <laughs> like, right. Hey, uh, we visual, bro. That's how we roll, you know. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> I, mean I, I can also argue the uh, traumatic brain injury from my head slamming into the tile floor probably had something to do. <laughs> so um let me ask you this this is a, a little deeper question like why did you decide to get married in general because you know how men are like if we see a woman that we you know what what made you start thinking about marriage because what you're like 21 or something you said 22 uh, i would have been 25 ish okay so well i was in minor seminary um Prior to meeting Amy. Um, oh, now we're getting deeper. Yeah. So I was, when at Gonzaga, there's um, Bishop um, White Seminary. It's an archdiocese, well, it's a diocesan seminary. It's not attached to Gonzaga. Um, Gonzaga's uh, seminary, it's a Jesuit school. It had closed several decades ago. Mm-hmm. But um, I wonder why. Hmm. Well, anyway. it's Jesuit. Yeah, but- <laughs> so, I mean, they're just barely, barely Catholic anyway. Right, right. Um, but the diocesan seminary, it's a minor seminary. It's attached to the university, kind of like Simon Brute is here um, to Marion. So, uh, I took classes through the seminary and 
I had always wanted to, to be a priest and had bounced the idea around, but then I felt called elsewhere. And then I thought, well, maybe I want to be a, a traditional Latin mass priest. So maybe I want to go to Rome or join mm. fraternity. But I knew I wanted to go to Gonzaga and finish my degree there. And then I became somewhat disillusioned with not Catholicism, but with the priesthood and thought maybe I needed to take a step back. And that would have been around Christmas of 2008. Um, Then there was a massive snowstorm. Spokane got like five and a half, six feet of snow in a matter of a week. And it was just pump the brakes, take a step back, leave religious studies for a while. And I ended up um, focusing on my, I changed my major, history and philosophy, and then switched my major, my, my majors to minors and did Italian studies and canon law as, as minors. Oh, wow. So you, you can answer all those questions I asked you. I was like, where, man? But man, all those questions I'm going to ask you, you can really answer them for real. If you well, I can answer it. It's I one mean, of those, you know, you don't use it, you lose it. I know, I know, I know. But, you know, one of the things I was going to say is the other day, our priest, he, you know, he's always, you know, trying to uh, do the, you know, pushing for the, uh, for, for vocations and stuff. And so he got up last week and, you know, he got on us again about how we didn't, you know, we, we should, you know, parents shouldn't dissuade their children and they should encourage and how uh, our 90, our 90, the only our, in Indianapolis, the, the emergency plan for the archdiocese is if a priest can't serve, then they have uh, our 93 year old retired who priest who has a congestive heart failure. He is the uh, substitute because all the priests are really just, is just really down and, or basically leaving or gone or retiring or whatever. And he, I, I don't know. I think he maybe knows it, but I, I think the reason that people aren't encouraging their kids to be priests or kids aren't trying to be priests is because they're not preaching the word, man. I told Mary that I said, you, the word is what gets people to consider parents and children to consider. And almost anywhere you go, they don't talk about the word. They don't talk about the, the serious thing, the serious, um, the serious problems in the church. Like I know in this one archdiocese, there were they were told you can't you cannot preach on homosexuality. They just told them you can't do that. To me, that's in, that's a, that is an in that or that order is unjust. You you can't tell me not to preach on the word of God. But basically, that was so. That's why you have no. <laughs> that's why you have no priests. Because you won't preach the word, man. Well, and the other thing, I mean, I was watching The Bells of St. Mary's and Going My Way. Oh, that is and, so good. And some of yeah. the other movies this past weekend. Mm-hmm. And I was, and I kept thinking to myself, you know, if we had Father O'Malley, if we had Bing, if we had these <laughs> priests again, if we had a pre, you know, if we had priests who were lacing up. And yes. teaching our boys how to box. Yeah. Yeah. We wouldn't have this issue. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, I, I look at Holy Rosary and, and you know, we, we've got Sam. 
And, you know, he's a good seminarian. I like him. He's a good kid. Mm-hmm. And I look forward to being able to call him father. Mm-hmm. You know, he's got another year. Or oh, that's all? Okay. That. Well, I mean, he's a, a transitional deacon. So he's got, oh, wow. I mean, he's got just a little bit left. Just a little bit left. Um, but I see all those other, you know, young men serving at the altar. And I remember Father Majira several, you know, years ago, almost a decade, saying that if he could hit a couple of them in the back of the head with the missile, he would do it. Yeah. It's sad, man. I mean, I feel Father McCarthy. I really feel him because I see the, the 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 devastation we're in. Um, that's but of course that's all part of the church suffering. You know, that's all that's part of us. You know, us suffering for when you when you see the when God gives you the wisdom and you love Him and He sees it, He gives you all this these vision. You see everything for what it really is. So I understand Father McCarthy's pain, but man, until the priest do until the priest and the bishop start preaching the word when i say preach the word i mean holding it down i mean you know talking about all the tough subjects talking about not just talking about love and mercy every week you know really fire because that the word is what fires us all up because then you start to then people start to thirst for the knowledge of the faith well i'll tell you what i i've literally gotten up and left mass (gasps) during a homily wow all i hear is love yeah like I've 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 turned them into drinking games before. It's like sickening. I I, I can't do it. Mm. So I, I um oh go ahead oh no um so we the question is so then what made you actually decide to get married? I I, I don't want to be flippant about it, but it was I was called to it. Okay. Like I. I knew that summer, that summer of 2009, that Amy was the one for me. Everything was pointing towards it. I'm the, you know, I'm a child of um, a newly immigrant family, relatively newly immigrant family. Amy's an anchor baby. Her family's from Italy, from Parma, Italy. Um, they're Catholic. Okay. Um, it's, it's, Everything fit. Her her parents are still married. Beautiful. All of her um, her aunts and uncles are still married. Wow. Don't that, don't that make a difference, man? Oh yeah. That makes a huge difference, dude. I mean, her her siblings are horrible people, but I mean, so are mine. So I mean, <laughs> I mean, everyone well, you know, has can't be perfect. You, know, you can have everything, right? Those sibling things, but yeah, I mean. I mean, she's just, I mean, sure, there's, you know, those little dents you just want to buff out of your your spouse. But, I mean, yeah. I'm sure I've got, I can't think of anything. Oh, of course not. want to change about me. <laughs> I mean, I'm just, just an alabaster statue that is just perfection. But, um, I mean, I, I knew. I just had this feeling. And... While the last ten years feel like twenty minutes underwater, sometimes I know I wouldn't trade it for anything. So, when did you? So, when did you like? 
when you guys first got married, so when did you st- start really loving Christ in the church? Because you're you're a convert, right? Or you're, no, you're I'm a cradle. Okay. So, oh, man, I hear that all the time from my wife. But we don't know nothing. We didn't know nothing. <laughs> y'all know so much. Y'all converts know so much more than us. I'm like, no, we don't. But um, my question is, when, so being a cradle Catholic, this is probably even more relevant. Like, why did you, when did you start really loving Christ in the church? When did oh, it click he, for you? I'm going to say immediately. Um, un, unlike some of you other cradles, um, mm-hmm. I mean, my family can trace back its, its devout Catholicism hundreds and thousands, I mean, literally a thousand years or more. In, in Ireland, we've got multiple saints. We've mm-hmm. got hundreds of priests. Um, I currently have three priests in the family right now. Wow. We've had four bishops um, and upwards of 15 monsignors, the most recent. In mon- your family? In the family. We've got four beatifications, six martyrs, and what? Seven, seven saints in our family. Isn't that something? So I wow. Excuse me, brother. (laughs) So so for us, and and we were raised like we were raised. All of my siblings, we were raised with the. You come from a long line of very devout people, right? Is your faith, and it wasn't even the most important part of us wasn't our our pedigree it wasn't our family history it wasn't you know these are your ancestors it was your the gift that your ancestors gave you isn't your bloodline it isn't your your blonde hair your blue eyes or or your money or all that money or anything else it's your faith man that is beautiful here, I mean, it's this tangible gift. It's it's mm-hmm. this faith. It's it's this gift that's getting you into heaven, and we're going to instill it in you early. So, from the early, one of the earliest memories I have is literally being drugged to mass. Um, uh, yeah, I I was like three or four years old. I didn't want to go to mass, and I sat. I threw myself down on a cactus because I didn't want to get in the car. My father went up the hill, grabbed me, threw me into the car over my mother's lap. It was a Buick <laughs> station wagon. My mother had a pair of pliers, pulled the spines of the cactus out of the seat of my pants. Yeah. And then I sat on the pew bleeding during mass because that was not an excuse not to go to mass. Amen, brother. I Amen, never sat brother. on the cactus again. <laughs> you know, I tell my dudes, man, I, I, you know, I say, look, man, the faith, you just do not know how you will change. You are the proof, John. You are the proof. I, I, I tell my dude, I say, look, man, I preach all the time. If you go to mass and, and learn the faith and teach it and, and exuberate it inside your family, 
your kids will. If the mother just does it, nobody cares. But if you, the father, does it, it's a ninety, like a ninety percent chance that the kids will be still in the faith. And not just that, that generate the the next their kids will be married right. Their kids and then their kids. It's you want to leave a legacy, man. That's what you do. You 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 teach the faith. And have everybody inside the faith, and then they grow towards God together, man. That's how you rock it, just like your family. That, I, man, that is something, dude. Man, I well, could talk it, about that for the whole next hour. Well, and and <laughs> I, I'm gonna say that, like, with my my generation and my family, with my siblings, my youngest brother Robert, which you'll actually have the ability to meet him in two weeks' time, perhaps. I mean, he and his wife are coming in to visit the i think the 17th john now you are so private you you ain't let nobody meet your brother unless he come to mass you can look at him from a distance <laughs> um you, you are a very private man dude don't even go there <laughs> well he he married a um a lutheran girl oh chicago chicago and she's very sweet very sweet girl. Um, but they, are, they are all sweet till you piss them off. He's the only one of my siblings uh-huh. who stayed in the faith. My sister married a very nice man, super nice guy. I like him more than my sister. Um, it, but his family, they're, I think they're Romanian gypsies or something. I mean, they were Catholic, but they left the faith because of a family issue some two decades ago, and now they're born-again Christians. And um, my brother, Joseph, um, who's the middle child, he um, converted to Antiochian orthodoxy. And which, I mean, it's I'm not going to say it's more or less liberal or it's like more what conservative. It, it's like you don't it's know like, what it it's is. It's like, I want to say like Greek Orthodox or Russian Orthodox. It's an orthodoxy, mm-hmm. but it's, I don't know. I, I, just, I haven't been so bored as to look into <laughs> it, but all I know is it's not in communion with Holy Mother Church. Okay, gotcha. So there's some serious questions as to the legitimacy of their wedding. But um, my parents, I mean, part of the, part of the issue with my siblings is that my parents are 50 some odd miles from their parish church. So when I moved away and went to college, my parents weren't driving in every Sunday to mass. So, and our local priest wasn't able to come out to the chapel on my parents' ranch and offer mass every Sunday. Mm -mm. So there wasn't mass every Sunday and they started drifting away. Yep. It happens. So when was the, what was the one thing in your life that snapped you out of the twilight zone and made you think I need to start trying to get married and be a better man? I don't quite understand your question. Um, so, what do you it, mean the twilight zone? Like the twilight zone, like like we were talking early, like being blind, like not really seeing, not really knowing what your purpose was, like not really knowing what I was supposed to be doing. You know, 
Uh, I think it, it's multifaceted. Um, I guess it, one, it was looking around and seeing the people that I was going to school with. Mm-hmm. Everyone was was really focused on their education. People I was hanging out with. Um, there were some people that I was hanging out with that were less focused on that, and they were more there for a good time. But mm-hmm. um, I mean, Gonzaga is a very good school. It's like Notre Dame or or Princeton or they're in the Final Four. The championship game, aren't they? Championship so- game. I mean, That's right. Mar- March Madness is your thing. You know, I, was- <laughs> I have had a huge chip on my shoulder against you for a decade. I know <laughs> because you keep scheduling things during March Madness. Well, I don't know and, what we're going to be doing now. Well, Monday, Monday night, Amy and I were up until two o'clock in the morning because we were at the championship game watching. Gonzaga get their butts handed to him. So you were you were actually at the game. Yeah. Where was the game at? Lucas Oil. See, that lets you know how much I know. I used to be man. You could use. I could. I knew all the teams. I did a chart. I had like my little thing. Every I, I all the bracket. My, dude, my bracket. I have everything, dude. I had my 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 wine, my my uh, drinks, and my chill. I'd be sitting by myself. That's how much I was into it. Now, dude, I couldn't tell you who was in it, where it's at, what's going on. I, well, you know. all I can tell you is that Baylor dominated. They deserved to win. Wow. I mean, I. But, but the good thing is, is it wasn't Duke. It, it wasn't was, North Carolina. It wasn't, you know, all these schools that normally are in the Final Four and all that stuff. Well, and the way I look at it is, thank goodness. IU is still relevant. The Hoosiers are still relevant because of their win four decades ago. <laughs> I know. I don't see how they are still like, we're this, you know, we're this basketball state. I'm like, yeah, okay. <laughs> so, okay, man. One last question in this area. Um, so when you were first married, were were you always a good father and husband? If not, what happened to make you start taking it seriously? If so, where did you get the foundation from? Well, I know I wasn't. I do. I was not. I was all crap there. I didn't know nothing. Well, I'm going to say no, I wasn't. So mm-hmm. we were married, like our actual ceremony, we were married on campus at Gonzaga University at St. Aloysius. Wow. It was a gorgeous church. We had a solemn high Latin mass. Mm-hmm. The first one that the church has had since 63. Mm-hmm. We had multiple priests and choir. The president of the university was there. We had two members of the Washington State Supreme Court there. Um, it was a big deal for the university. Um, wow. And... I got caught up in the pomp and circumstance. The what circumstance? The pomp and circumstance. Um, the the airs, you know, the dress and the suits and the place settings mm-hmm. and everything gotcha. that was going on. Gotcha. Mm-hmm. Um. Amy 
had ulcers. She ended up in the emergency room. Dang. And I was asking her what her problem was. Like, Mm -hmm. what the hell is your problem? Mm -hmm. Like, suck it up. Cry on the inside like a winner. <laughs> yeah. I mean, we got married a month after I graduated mm-hmm. and three months before I started law school. Mm-hmm. Everything was going right for me. I graduated Gonzaga. I got married to a knockout. Mm-hmm. I'm moving across country. I'd been accepted to all but one of the law schools I'd applied to. Right. I'm starting law school. I'm starting a new life. Everything is going my way. So you forgot to bring your wife. Reference. You forgot to bring your wife along, right? And I forgot to bring her along. Yeah. And within a month and a half of us getting married, I'm getting hit on at work by one of my coworkers. No, I didn't do anything, Mm -hmm. but I'm feeling flattered Mm -hmm. that I'm getting hit on. Mm -hmm. And then we move here to Indiana, which my wife lovingly refers to as Satan's butt crack. (laughs) Because in August it is. Oh boy. And we moved here sight unseen. I mean, we'd been to South Bend. Really? We, I'd been accepted to Notre Dame where we'd walked into a gang standoff at a grocery store. Yes. You told me about that. Tell us about that. Cause let me tell the, tell let's, let's talk about that for a second, two minutes. So we went to South Bend in February, mm-hmm. not a pleasant place in February. Mm-hmm. I wanted vegetables. So we pulled into a grocery store and my wife, ever the uh, observant person, uh, situational awareness. Yes. She's looking around and she's like, I'm not getting out of this car. And I'm like, I want some fruits and vegetables. And she's like, you're on your own, sweet cheeks. And so I get out and I hear doors locked behind me and I'm looking back at her and she's like, bye. (laughs) And I'm walking up and there's police cars in front of this store and I'm walking right by him and this police officer flags me down and he's like you need to go back to your car and I'm like excuse me like dude you are totally unaware the grocery store (laughs) and and, you know I'm from you know I'm a little white boy from the west I'm going to the grocery store right and he's like you know you need to go back to your car and I'm like I'm just going in for some carrots and some grapes man like pack off and he's like go back to your MF and car. Oh. And I'm like, dude. And he's like, you're walking into a gang standoff. There's a gang from Toledo, which <laughs> who the hell knew that Toledo the, had the a gang? gang the Toledo. <laughs> and a gang from Chicago. And they will gang together to kill you, white boy. Right. And I'm like, I guess okay. To- okay, you, I got it sir. now. <laughs> So I go back to the car. I'm like, there's a gang standoff. And she's at, and Amy, we weren't married at that time. Amy said, I'm not moving here. And if you try to move me here, we're not getting married. You understand me? We're not moving here. It's not happening. 
this place sucks. <laughs> so, wow, we didn't move there. Wow, we moved here instead. Oh, oh, out of the frying pan into the fire. Yeah, we got well, maybe not the fire, but at least another frying pan of some sort. Maybe a wok or yeah, something like that. She's asked for divorce. Now what? Of course, you just didn't see it coming, but it has. So now what do you do? Well, what you do is step one, you decide to man up and fight for her no matter what. Step two, decide if one of these categories in the marriage maintenance master plan fits your situation. A, she's asked for a divorce. B, she has left the home. C. Mutually agreed separation but didn't want it. D. She is in the home but distant or separate bedrooms. E. You are divorced but didn't want it. Now, step three. If you are in one of these critical situations or close to it, then register to watch the Marriage Masterclass immediately at www.savemycatholicmarriage.com Step four. After watching the masterclass, get the help you need by scheduling a discovery and strategy session to receive a proven plan of action tailored specifically for your situation. Many husbands will look at this and go back to allowing their marriage to fade into oblivion, accepting failure. But some will look at this and say, wonder if this works. Those are the warriors. Those are the husbands I want to go into battle with. Those are the husbands I want to work with. So allow me to help. Those that do nothing have a 100% chance of failure. Those that decide to battle, fight, and act like true men become worthy of winning their beloved back. Which are you? Visit www.savemycatholicmarriage.com. That's www.savemycatholicmarriage.com. Learn how to once again become her hero. All right, man. So what we're going to do now is we're going to move into the understanding divorce. Um, my dudes that I talk to a lot, they they are... You know, they want to know. I told them I was going to interview you. And so I'm going to play this. I'm going to play this part of the podcast to them so that they can, you know, get a good idea or at least a good general idea of what's going on. So uh, tell me, like, before we get started with the actual questions, you told me you wanted to tell me about your background a little bit with divorce and canon law and that kind of thing. Okay. So first I just want to say to all of your regular listeners and the, the guys that you're, you're helping out that I'm sorry that Jerry has hyped me up. Um, cause you're going to be sorely disappointed. Um, so I, I work for the city and County here. Um, I do criminal law and I have for the past five, six years. Prior to that, I was in private practice. Uh, for four and a half years. I did criminal law there too as a defense attorney, but I also did civil law and I assisted with divorce and 
mediation. Mm. I say that I assisted with divorce and family law and mediation because I did not want to do it myself. And I did not want to do it myself because of my faith. My willingness to assist yeah. was based on the knowledge that in some cases annulment would be necessary. Mm -hmm. And also I thought that in some cases where there were children, even if annulment wasn't necessary, um, someone who wasn't trying to defend a parent or be on the parent's side and maybe would be on the side of the kids was also kind of nice. So I was always mm -hmm. there and my wife who has a master's in, um, clinical neuropsychology worked with kids and stuff like that. She would step in and, and help out and do stuff with the kids once in a while if we needed someone to take care of the kids during mediations and stuff like that. So mm -hmm. that's, that's where my involvement with this type of stuff comes from. Wow. So that's my background. So my first question is going to be, so then can you explain generally how divorce works and how it's different now from how it used to be in the country? Okay. So historically speaking, you couldn't just go out and get a divorce. Um, you had to have grounds for it. Um, and it varied from state to state. So mm -hmm. um, there had to be fault. There had to be justification or reason. Um, my experience or my knowledge is based on states I've lived in, Washington, Idaho, Montana, Wyoming, Colorado, Indiana. Mm -hmm. uh, historically, in those states, you had to um, be able to establish uh, adultery, um, financial instability caused by uh, misuse of funds, uh, abandonment, uh, whether that be actual physical abandonment or um, physical sexual abandonment. So, you know, you're cutting someone off, you know, you know, refusal to be intimate with your spouse. Wow. Um, that was grounds for um, divorce in some states. Um, odd bases in, bases in some states, Idaho for a long time, um, you could divorce if after the marriage you didn't get your um, dowry, if the, the wife's family didn't provide the dowry within five years. And I think now, um, what's the um, what's the what's the dowry? What's that? So when you're when uh, you're married, uh, the wife's family um, traditionally had to um, pay the new husband. Uh, to take her off their hands. Oh, um, wow. So, um, you know, some people had hope chests or things like that where okay, you, I got you have to set up the new household. Boy, I wish I wish I'd have had that. <laughs> Boy, that would have been Don't nice. Um, <laughs> that has largely, you know, that's been done away with. Well, yeah. um, largely yeah. now, uh, my understanding is it's because... Um, the wife's family play, pays tens of thousands of dollars on the wedding. Wedding, itself. yeah. So, you know, when you're going to a courthouse or you're going to a, a church and you're paying $100 for the officiant to 
you know, officiate a wedding, you, know, you can pay three or four hundred dollars in gold and a couple of cows and furniture. Okay, that makes sense. But yeah. you're paying, you know, that equivalent for a dress and food and <sighs> a thousand guests and yeah, blah 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 blah. You know, it's a trade-off. Yeah. So I think that, like in the case of Idaho and other states that had that on the books, it's it was a holdover from um, the religious background in mm-hmm. Idaho's case. I think it was um, the Latter-day Saints or the Mormons. I think it was a holdover from, from them. Um, but that was, that was stricken some 15, 20 years ago when Idaho had gone through and cleared out some of its more antiquated laws, mm-hmm. like the wife's ability to hit her husband on the head with a frying pan, except for Sundays. You know, that got well. taken off the books years ago, too. <laughs> so, then, so yeah. you, the, well, we're going to where, like, how is it? So, okay, that was how it used to be. Um, so, how is it now? Now, states, I think, universally have adopted a no fault divorce approach. Oh, goodness. And that permits either party to petition the court through a complaint or a filing, which is filed with the court uh, after having um, paid a filing fee, which in Marion County, I believe is $151 or $161. There was a change. That's it. um, A few years ago. But after a filing fee is paid um, to request that the court dissolve the legal bond between the two parties. Once that is filed, it is in the court's hands and the court has the ability then, or it's their responsibility, the court's responsibility um, to make sure that the other party um, the respondent um, receives the petitioner's filings, and there's normally um, an extra fee that the uh, petitioner, the person who did the initial filing, has mm-hmm. to pay for a civil filing to be served by the civil sheriff or other serving entity um, to be served on the respondent, the other person, normally the husband, in my experience. Yeah. Um, and then they have 30 business days to respond. They would uh, have the ability to petition the court for an extension. And uh, they have the ability to respond to the court or respond to the petitioning party through the court, answer the complaint or the petition, and at that point, they can either have an uncontested, and they can either agree, which they could technically do at the very beginning when the petition is first filed, Okay. or you can end up with what is called a contested divorce, where things get ugly. It's the nicest way to put it. So is there a way, okay, 
with no for divorce and we i know so you got experience in a lot of different states so that's also a great thing um is there a way to stop it if somebody wants it they're gonna get it is what you're saying basically is there a way to stop it that's a loaded question (laughs) Um, (laughs) uh, and you know, I, I chuckle. I don't mean to be flippant about no, that. No, I, I want you to be honest, dude. I mean, I well, it, here's the thing. I, I mean, I know that this is a very, very difficult topic. Okay? Mm-hmm. So, um, and you know me, uh, I'm someone, I, sarcasm. I, I am the most sarcastic person that you may have ever met. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> And this is probably the most straight laced you've ever seen me. <laughs> right. <laughs> and and, th- and this right here is hard for you. I can <laughs> I mean, I've been chewing my tongue so much I'm tasting blood, sir. So um <laughs> like this is almost like being in a jury trial. Like like this is pretty good, actually. <laughs> um yeah, you you can stop it. But it's gonna hurt. It's gonna hurt. Um, there's, I, I, I've seen it stop. So give me, a, give me, give me, because I can see this is a little difficult for you. So give me an example of when you've seen it stopped to make it easier. Okay, so the most unpleasant way I've seen it stop. I, I've seen. I've seen someone pass away. They killed themselves? Yes. Okay, I'm not trying to stop it like that, John. <laughs> you, didn't, you did not put any caveats on it, Jerry. Sorry, no, Bear Bear. Okay, I'm not trying to like go that far, dog. I'm not trying to <laughs> You didn't say. You didn't say. You, you said be honest. Do- you did that on purpose. Be you set honest. me up. You set me up with that on purpose, dude. I know you did. <laughs> you all heard him. Oh, dude. I want you did to you be actually honest, go there? quote, unquote. <laughs> did you actually go there, dude? Come on, man. <laughs> My wife is going to laugh at this for like years when she sees this. <laughs> I'm surprised she doesn't just look at you in the morning and start laughing. Don't start <laughs> she does. Oh, she does every now and then. <laughs> okay. She's like, Cherry, okay. I love your hair. No hair. Just that one right there. That one right there. <laughs> no. Hey, um, you grew, hey, you grew a beard too, dude. Don't eat. You grew a beard too. No, it's just I color it so the gray is, is now colored. I know, but you still, it's a beard though there, John. You didn't have that six months or a year ago well that's because i had all that sun damage removed from my face oh i shaved it all off yeah and we are getting off topic yeah we are okay my fault go ahead what now okay Okay. so the the other way i've seen it stop is i've seen some serious serious self assessment evaluation and work being done and then I've seen the okay. the two parties working together. Because I'll tell you, very rarely is it just the one side. Oh, it's never. 
Well, no, 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 no. I've seen it be just the one side. Uh, well, yeah, okay. If we, I, if we talk seen, about legally and that, like that, but relationship and relationship and all, I know it's not a word. No, the, I, I've I never, there's never, it. it's always, it's always, there's always some blame on both sides. Although like when you get in the, like it might not be as drastic, but there's like when you get once you get inside the court mediation and all that, yeah, there might be somebody who did adultery and screwed around ten times and all that. But behind the scenes, on the other end, there's always something the other person did to help facilitate that or help. You know what I'm saying on the relationship end. I, I know in the court end, yeah, you're right. Probably not. Well, see, I'm I'm going to say that the mainline heroin addict. And the child molester. Okay, okay. If we gotta go that extreme, John. Okay, (laughs) Harry, you can't put caveats on it. After you keep doing what them liberals do, man. It's like okay, we gonna we gonna go extreme to the extreme. We gotta stay more close to the middle, bro. You're impossible. You know that. <laughs> you're like, I want you to give me example. No, I, I do give you an example, and you're like, oh well, I don't want that no, one. No, I want that. I'm just saying, I'm I'm giving you the opposite end too, just like you're giving me the opposite end. That's all I'm, I'm gonna, saying. I'm about to give you the opposite end here in a minute. <laughs> but so seriously, so go ahead. Really, okay. So I think it's interesting. So what what I've experienced firsthand. Mm-hmm. Is with the exception of the heroin addict and the child molester, okay, and the suicide, <laughs> is the um, are are the those who have turned it around are people who won, and this is the one bit of information, the one piece of advice I will give everyone: as long as there's not physical violence, right, is refuse to leave the home oh you are so the bomb you are so the bomb john i said dude i tell them that all the time do not leave the house no matter what because once you do your negotiate is so it's so hard as far as the dude leaving oh man well it's really difficult for you to try to woo them back and show them that you're not a total pos if you're if you're yes. living in a third story walk up, dude, I know across from someone who talks to ketchup bottles. I know. I know. Especially get- if you're paying the mortgage on that house and your crappy little apartment. I know. Just saying. Dude, so. that is such a revelation. Thank you for saying that, man. It's like thank you. I, I cannot thank Not to you mention if you have kids, uh, it's best if they still get to see you every day. Yeah, but um, it, it, it's it's going to take that self reflection, and sure. if if you're not a you know church every weekend person, then you best get some Jesus in your life because you need to show that you focus your life. It needs to be it needs to be Christ centered. Wow. It needs to be the only time I've ever seen it fix itself is when a man turns his focus, not even to on, on the relationship, 
not the focus isn't even on the relationship when his focus is on his faith oh man and and he and in the three the three times i've seen the relationships turn around in you know a four and a half year time frame when i was watching this the three times i've seen them turn around they were all catholics they were all men between the ages of 35 and 50. One didn't have kids and the other two did. So I guess that doesn't matter. But they all started going to mass regularly. They all started going to adoration. And while they were going to mass, they were going to adoration. They were praying the rosary. They picked up additional devotions. They did not live that faith by wearing it on their sleeve. It was a private devotion that ended up emanating and coming out of their pores. They ended up living it. They were not those people. They were not Pharisees. You couldn't tell that they were those fake Catholics coming down the road. You didn't see them coming down the street and say, Oh God, here comes Jim. He just found his faith again. I can't stand being around him because all he does is stand there and chit chat with you and finger his rosary the entire time. I knew he was going to mass because I saw him at St. Mary's when I would go there myself at noon. He was going there. One, one of the guys was going there at noon because we worked in the same building. Mm -hmm. He was going to mass on Sunday at St. John's. He was doing adoration at Holy Rosary because we were the only church who had adoration during the week. Mm -hmm. he turned it around he wasn't out there broadcasting it he focused his life on Christ he turned himself around when he turned himself around he was able to get his wife to recognize that he wasn't what she feared he had become. And they were able to go to marriage counseling. Now, from my perspective, they would have done better with a religious-based counselor, someone that went through the archdiocese. But they found a secular person, and it ended up working all right for them. They're still married. Dude, the guys I now. work with are going to be like, man, he set that up. I'm like, I'm telling y'all, I did not set this up. That man that you just heard, that totally came from him. What you just said is basically word for word, this pro, uh, the, the, the program, the Catholic Alpha program is, is, is it. That's it straight up. And 
man, y'all, I didn't set that up. I promise. <laughs> I'll, I'll yeah. vouch for him. I'm not going to hell for Jerry Jacobs. That's right. <laughs> so that and that is what I try to get the man to do. Folk, get get to confession. Get back in the prayer. Start praying rosaries. Get to adoration. Start focusing 100% on God and your wife and your marriage. You fix all that, everything else will fall into place. And then we just, that's what we do. And, well, and the it, other it thing, works. And the other thing, especially for your listeners who have kids, and, and I, I didn't see this with any of my clients, but I see this in my own marriage when my wife and I have problems when we're having disagreements or I notice that Amy's becoming frustrated and she's Italian, which is like every other day mm-hmm. um, or there's any difficulty for us. I recognize that the shortness and not in her height, but I mean her, her, her patience, that shortness first emanates with the children mm-hmm. and then work, then the house, then me. If your guys can just sketch down what they notice the short straws are where those fuses are and then can attack those things and just address them. That's right. If there's an issue with, you know, if, if the first issue that they see is with the kids and and their wife starts getting frustrated and it's like, you know, Billy just he keeps playing ball in the house. Get him out of the house. Yeah. Go outside and play ball with the damn kid. We'll see what they do. What we do as men, what we do is we see the problem. We see it and we say, well, we'll take care of it later. And you can't take care of it later. You got to take care of it now. And and I train them. I train them to listen. Look look how your wife moves. Look how she when she gets up in the morning. How is she? Always pay attention to her. Don't take if you take nothing for granted with your wife. Nothing. If she's moving different than she usually does, there's a reason why. If she's upset or frustrated, then she usually is. There's a reason why. And what you as a man got to do is what? Man up, have the tough conversation, and go over there and ask. Maybe not be like right at that second, but you need to address it like you just said. But most of us, what we do is, well, I got to go to work, or I got to go do this, or I got to go do that. And then we either forget or we keep putting it off. And then off becomes five years. Then off becomes 10 years. In 20 and then you know you're married 60 years and then your wife was talking about well, I want a divorce I see it happen all the time um, so so let me ask you this though John mm-hmm. you told me so yeah so basically what you're saying is the man it, it, another thing men don't understand too is man <laughs> men we are the leader in the home whether this society acknowledges or not it doesn't matter what they acknowledge. It's just the natural order of the way it is. We, we are not like we are, we are responsible. We are, we have faults and our wife have faults, but the thing about it is it doesn't matter. The responsibility of the marriage is comes from us. And 
that in the end is if which is what you're saying if we take step up and do what we're supposed to do then most of the time it works out okay so let me ask you this question so you told me about the 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 self-improvement way of stopping the divorce legally is there a way to stop it in its tracks no not that i've seen because it's now become a no fault it can be delayed but it can't be stopped um when you have what i mentioned earlier and, and i apologize for that for tripping over my words there but mm -hmm. when you have a the respondent when he's had the opportunity to respond to the filing the court here in indiana as a for instance it's not going to be immediate right the, the court's going to say okay well we have a cooling off period because let's face it here in the moment you know, I you know, I get mad at Amy over something stupid, or more than likely, she's going to get mad at me over something, mm -hmm. and we're just going to say, for you know, the sake of the argument, anything Amy gets mad at me over is going to be stupid, and because <laughs> I mean, I'm awesome again, you know, alabaster, right? <laughs> and um, so you know, she gets mad at me, she goes and file for divorce. The judge is going to be like, okay, well, you know, he is a you know, to quote Jeremiah Johnson, fine figure of a man. Mm -hmm. You need to calm down till you come to your senses mm -hmm. and recognize that he's the greatest good you're ever going to get. Yeah. And so, you know, six, eight months, you need to calm down. Mediation set out within the next, you know, nine to 12 months. Find someone, submit the names between the parties, you know, find attorneys, submit names, get something scheduled notify the court we want an update update the court as to what's going on and let us know you we want an update you know if this is you know april 7th we want an update by august 30th and the court will do something like that i mean it, you know it'll be a sooner date than that so how do we how do we get it to where a man who wants to stop a divorce or delay it how can we get the mediator or the judge? I know this isn't going to work in every state, but what I'm asking is because what what's happening? I'm I'm going, and I know everybody. Just please bear bear with me because I'm going more. Because what I deal with is the wife has left. So me and John are talking about mainly from the man's point of view. So from the man's point of view, if he doesn't want the divorce and he wants to stop it, how? Is there a way that the, he get the, he can get the judge to like, even if in a lot of states, the judge can't mandate counseling, marriage counseling. But here was, here's what happens is if the woman didn't left, like he says, she's out of the house. She didn't left. She don't, she's not, she's not negotiating good faith. She's not going well. Cause she, you know how women are, they get really mad. And once they get mad, they're hurt deep and they don't want nothing to do with you. So you have to get, you have to get her heart back. But if she's not talking to you or not interacting, how can what, what you have to do with people? Because really, if the man is trying to change, there's no reason that a woman shouldn't give him a second chance. I'm just putting it out there. If a man is seriously changing and then you you have to I think a woman is honored because I think every woman should leave if her husband's acting like a knucklehead. Mm 
But once he proves he's changing, he's trying his best to change. I think she's obligated to give that man one more chance. So my point of it is, is how is there a way that a judge can say, look, go to counseling for that six months. And if the woman still wants a divorce, then look, give it. We'll give it to her because this would I hate marriage counseling. But in this situation, I love marriage counseling because it will have it will force the wife to sit down and actually tell a lot of times the man, the wife doesn't even tell the man why she left because she's so emotional. She, she can't even articulate it. She just knows I can't take it no more. So marriage counseling, if a judge says or the mediator goes, OK, we're going to order marriage counseling for six months or a year or three months. How do we, you know, that'll force her to sit down and at least acknowledge and get everything out. So at least the man knows what he did. So then he could try to adjust and fix it. Is there a way that we could do that? You can try to negotiate something like that. Beautiful. And you can say through the attorneys. Right. Um, you know, I could have my attorney reach out to Amy's attorney and say, John doesn't want to give up on this. He is madly in love with you. And he recognized that he is a USDA prime. Rest. Grade A. <laughs> Triple B. Quadruple A. Yes. He <laughs> is a worthless scum. He is a worm. He Damn. is not worthy of your awesomeness. That's right. <laughs> um, he he recognizes that he does not appreciate the artistic importance of classic Disney movies. That's right. And if that's not why you left, then maybe he doesn't understand how good Gilmore Girls was. <laughs> and you know, humility. what humility it is to get her back to the table to talk. Yeah, but what John ultimately wants is to go to counseling, and he wants to hear you. Because if I've heard it once, I've heard it a bazillion times mm. from my own wife that I don't listen, and if I do listen, I don't hear her. Mm -hmm. Well, frankly, if she had anything important to say, I'd listen and I'd hear it. But a counselor is going to say, John, shut up. You ain't going to listen to what Amy's saying. Yes. So if I'm able to broach that as a person who is facing the forced dissolution of my marriage, Mm -hmm. then I'm going to take that option. I'm going to wrap it up in a bow, slap a box of Whitman sampler with it, a couple dozen roses, and I am going to crawl on my hands and knees and offer it to try to get her over there. Mm-hmm. And then I'm going to find a way to pay for it mm-hmm. because there is no way that I'm going to one suggest it and then propose that we split that cost. Oh, well, yeah, of course not. Because that's the best way to ruin that. Okay. Wow. I mean, and I mean, and I know that like this is this is an ugly, expensive process. 
Mm-hmm. And I mean, there were people who used to go to mass with us, who used to attend Holy Rosary. I'm, you know, I will not say names, of course. <laughs> they go to weekly, weekly marriage counseling and started going two weeks after they got married. And they, they've been married since 2011. Mm-hmm. And my immediate thought was, how strong was your relationship that you had to start going to marriage counseling immediately after you got married? Mm-hmm. And then I found out that he was a convert and I'm like, Oh, well, okay. Maybe that was your problem. <laughs> <laughs> Whatever, dude. <laughs> so, so basically you can, if, and then, so basically the person that doesn't want the divorce, instead of, he could say something, instead of drawing this all out, what he could do you've got to draw it out you no no no. what i'm saying is, is what if can we go to can we you know if she'll agree to go to marriage counseling which does what forces her to sit down forces him to sit down forces her to be able to talk and him to listen and her to talk or him to talk and her to listen and then if that doesn't work and say six months to a year or whatever then we, i'll give her what she wants we, we'll, we'll go ahead and, and expedite this through yeah because if not then what can he do if not if because if she doesn't agree to do that then what can he could just draw it out for i know i've seen long as two you can drag it out i mean well and that's the thing is is if i mean you can okay i mean putting on my total total jerk bad actor attorney hat Mm -hmm. and it fits really well yes um so you, we would know you are now the bulldog attorney. Bulldog attorney, the hired gun. Okay. Yes. So we're going into mediation. I want the house. I want the cars. I want you to pay for my student loan debt, and I want your mother's china. How about that? <laughs> the uh, and I want the kids. <laughs> and I want the kids. <laughs> and, and I want two of your frozen eggs. How about that? <laughs> Because my next two kids are going to be genetically related to their siblings. Mm. Okay, so none of that, none of that is going to get approved. None of it. She's not going to agree to any of it. Right. None. Because she's already mad anyway. Oh, yeah. Uh, oh, yeah. And because, and also after you, you know, have your totally unrealistic demands, mm-hmm. um, she's going to also want you to agree to uh, die. Right. So, I mean, you guys just aren't agreeing on anything ever. Right. So that's ever, how you ever, delay ever, it. Ever, 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 that's ever. basically how you delay it. Right. Well, and that, I mean, your attorney is going to love that. Oh, yeah. They're just hearing their $300 an hour. Go bing, 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 bing. Right. So be ready for that. Um. Because the next step is when your mediation falls through is you're setting a trial. Good. And that depending on what court you're in, what county and what state, it could be a year, it could be six months, pandemic could be longer. Yeah. Could be virtual, could be in person. Um, I've never seen one in front of a jury. Um because they're they're normally in front of a judge for these in my experience mm-hmm. um 
that's not saying that they couldn't be in front of a jury. I've just never seen one. Um, so I won't want to speak out of school about that. Um, but those can be continued and be kicked out because of conflicts. You know, attorneys, we like vacations. Um, <laughs> right, right. We have other responsibilities. We have other clients. Um, so we have other things that, that get in the way. Um, that drags things out. There's a downside. And I'm going to be 100% honest with this. And it, it really can cause problems. And it can poison you, the man, more than it can the woman. Um, women, in my experience, can go years without sex. Mm-hmm. Men cannot. Mm-hmm. If you are dragging a case out like this, you will either turn to self-abuse or you will start looking elsewhere. Mm-hmm. And that's potentially also the fact that she might do that as well. Right, which in most cases they're already doing that anyway. The the woman. So in what? Some cases, yeah. yeah. So what do we? So. So that brings me to getting away from the monetarily contesting the monetarily the 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 the, the physical type the materialistic things to morally things. So adultery. So can we? Can he hold it up by? Like, I know one case, one cat that I work with, you know, adultery is hard, you know, but the lawyer brought it up in their state. You can put adultery on the table. And then what that does is you're playing the bulldog attorney because she's not listening. So he's put that on the table and it's going to bring out all her stuff. Um, And I'm, is there a way to like do things like that? To Because I know then one dude said that he can't do an adultery another state said that that's not going to stop anything. But what it, what it does does is bring out how her dope, bring out the realism of the situation. Right. I saw, I was not involved in this particular case at the firm, but Mm -hmm. we, the case I saw adultery get brought up and included in a pleading that was sent over to counsel was never actually filed. Mm-hmm. It was sent to counsel. So it would be shared with his client so that they would sit down and talk realistically. Exactly. Because she didn't want her family to know that she was a dirty hoe bag. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. And I know of cases where I mean, not cases that were in the firm, but I, I mean, I know from anecdotally, I know from like friends of mine Mm -hmm. whose 
marriages have ironically been saved, though I can't imagine how healthy they would have been, mm-hmm. um, where the, the marriages were falling apart and they were getting ready to split up. And one of the two of them were like, well, you know, we don't want this to end. And they said, if we don't fix this, if we don't work together to fix this, I'm telling your parents that you were cheating on me. Mm. And that snapped the other party into, okay, fine, let's work on this. And because one of the things I do, man, is I tell the guys, look, here's the strategy I, I, and you tell me now, and you tell me what you think about it. Cause that's, this is, this is like the coupe de gras question. Okay. I suggest to them, look, here's what you do. Not out of vengeance, but out of you're trying to stop a crazy woman from splitting up your marriage, from splitting up your family. So what I suggest that they do is when they go to mediation or to the court, they let everybody else talk first. The lawyers, her, let everybody do what they want to do. Then at the end of the mediation or the hearing, he he asks his lawyer, can I now say something? And of course, the lawyer and the judge will probably say yes. What you do is you stand up and you look your wife in the face and you tell her, listen, I love you. Like you were saying, John, I know I totally screwed up, but I am changing. I'm trying to be the man that you are want that you that you need. I'm trying to be the husband you need. I am changing for you. All I'm asking is, can you please give me six months to a year in counseling together where we try our best to figure this out and to work together. And if you do that, and if that at the end of that time, if you want a divorce, I will not contest it. I'll we'll 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 we'll, we'll, we'll negotiate and get things done really quick. And then I say you admit you administer as much as much humility in that room as possible because then the lawyers see that you don't want nothing, the judge sees you don't want nothing. The mediator see you don't want nothing and your wife sees you don't want nothing that you're that you just want to try to save your family. And then you sit down and you let you let her talk or whoever. If she agrees, that's awesome. If she doesn't, then plan B is to unleash your bulldog attorney. So no attorney worth his salt is going to let you stand up and say anything in court. Ah. Because if can you, he talk? To, how, if how, if you no no, you're paying your attorney to talk for you. Okay, this is why I'm asking the question. Every time when I was in there and my client w- was trying to talk, I'd be like, uh, "Your Honor, excuse, excuse, your Honor, mm-hmm. excuse me, one uno right. momento por favore." Gotcha. Me. And then I turn and in the most colorful language possible. I would threaten the very life essence of my client <laughs> to the point once where I said that I would gut him if he uttered one more syllable. Well, that's why he asked for permission first. Remember I said, he asked your lawyer for permission. And then he asked me permission. And I said, no, no. So then how John, so how does the husband get that out into the open so that she can respond or that we can get, come on, help me brother. I already told you that. 
Chair Bear. I said. Okay. I'm stupid. Come no, 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 no. You just, you're like my wife. You don't listen. <laughs> Which is why we're going to be in divorce. <laughs> Damn it. I'm beginning to take Mary's side here. So. We, I'm listening. You, you've hired me and she has hired her attorney to yes. communicate for us. Yeah, I know what you want is your attorney. So I'm going to reach out to her attorney and be like, okay, this is what my client wants. He wants to go to counseling for eight to 10, 10 to 12 months. And what he's willing to do is he's willing to give her the house, the cars, take half the debt, 50, 50 on child care and whatever, whatnot do child support with revisitation on child support every eight months in case he gets a promotion and gets a pay increase. No must, no fuss, agreement on everything. As long as, and he, it's already written out. It's already agreed on, but it's not signed. We want eight to 10 10 to 12 months counseling first. If you okay. can do beautiful eight to 12 months of counseling and it's not working, then he'll sign it and we're done. So can I, okay. I know women. So let me, let me, let me get this in. This is the, the, the next question. When women, they get mad and they get hurt deeply. They don't they're And then their lawyers just talking to them. They, that anger is going to keep festering and festering logic. A lot of times. And I know why women are emotional because of the nurturing of the kids, just like why men are logical because they have to be able to focus. And that's we're made. That's how we're made. So my question is though, man, women, if they're just talking to their lawyer, man, the lawyer is going to feed them. The the the, the woman is just going to feed into that frenzy. So is there a way that we can have a meeting with the lawyers and the clients, just them? And then he says what he says without yeah. any judge or any, any mediators in the room. Yeah. We can like meet at your office or whatever. Yeah, all, all that has so, to happen is my attorney or your attorney contacts their attorney and says, hey, my client wants to sit down. Beautiful. The four of us, he has a proposal. He wants to run this by him. This is essentially what it is, mm -hmm. but he wants us all to sit down. No fighting, no arguing. He just wants to run this by. This I is love what it. it is. I love it because at this point, hopefully everyone's still living in the same house. They're not. <laughs> okay. Well. Okay. In my situation. No, they're not. I only got two guys who are living in the same house with their wives. Everybody else <laughs> left the house. And, and, and I know I tell them all the time, don't ever do that again next hey, time. Okay. Hey, the other thing is, the other thing is if if the family, I mean, don't, don't think that unless there's an, a protective order and a no contact order, mm -hmm. look at the other avenues for communication. It, I mean, unless there's something prohibiting the communication lines, because if there's no contact order, there's no third party communication permitted, but 
you know, you can go to your mother-in-law and say, hey, Marge, I know you think I'm an F up. And guess what? <laughs> You're right. I am. And you know how you said that I'm a little down good for nothing and that I all I do is sit and watch the Colts and scratch my butt? Mm-hmm. Well, believe it or not, that's what my counselor says too. So now I'm using a moisturizing lotion when I get out of the shower and I'm not watching the Colts anymore. And I'm making steps and I'm going to a therapist and I'm doing these things. And I think that, you know, your daughter and I could fix things by going to a therapist. And I want to know what your thoughts are. Don't ask her to talk to her for you. Get her feedback. Because if mom thinks that you're actually making progress, she'll start saying things. And that's what I call soldiers. I implement that in, 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 the, in the thing. We attack this in the, in, the, in the program. We attack this in many facets, and that's one of them. I tell the dudes, get you some soldiers. Your soldiers are who? Your kids. Her friends, your friends, your parents, her parents. And what you do is you you show them that you're changing. When they see you, they see you're changed. So what do they do? They go, girl, maybe you ought to maybe give him another chance. You know, that kind of thing. Well, um, and the thing is, the thing about soldiers, just remember, you have to be careful, especially with the children because and, and with parents, too. When there's no contact orders and yeah, right. And things like that. I mean, you're you're violating court orders. And even you, if you had someone go and talk to them for you, and the no protective order is messed up, right? Right. I mean, you can oh. go to, you can go to jail. Right. So, I almost don't work with people who have an. I, I've turned a lot of dudes down because they have a no contact order. Because if I mean, I don't care if she's not talking to you we can work on that. But if you, there's a, uh, if there's a protective order that says you can't text, talk, see me in person on phone or nothing, then I, I kind of most, most part tell them, okay, man, here's what you do when that's, when you, when that's, you try to get that knocked down and when you can then come back. Cause I don't see, there's no way around that. You have to be able to, even if you text her and she don't respond, she's at least reading it. And, and then that'll get to her after a while. But no, what do you think? contact no con- i mean i know i, mean, dude I, right I now. would agree i would agree because i mean you could if there's a no contact order you could still i mean let, let's put it in the the uh, classification or the analogy of of my my marriage amy and i are on the rocks and there's no contact order i could still reach out to my my father-in-law or my mother-in-law and say and talk to them as long as I'm not asking them to speak to Amy on my behalf. Okay. I'm not violating the no contact order. Okay. If they speak to her of their own volition, and that's, that's what I on mean. them. And that's what I mean. So I mean, there, I mean, I'm going to say that there, there's, no such thing as a lost cause, especially if it's a, a, a God ordained. Right. Union. 
that's kind of the point of view I take it from. But at the same point, I'm going to also weigh that judgment based on the unique circumstances of each case. Right. So there's no, is there a way to do, once the contact, oh, two questions and we're done. How do you, once the divorce has already been through, it's over for say two weeks, six months, a year, whatever. Is there any way to reopen the divorce if the other person is not doing things the way they're supposed to? Like they're mis like you're supposed to give them the money, you're misman they're mismanaging the money. Or they're taking the kids and turning the kids against the, the the little kids against the father. You know, they're not letting them, they're not holding up to their end of the, you know, they're not letting them see them or they get mad and, and start doing stuff like that. Is there any way? To come back and oh, because here, okay, let me tell you why. There's his cat. He was kind of a wuss in the in, in the divorce thing. He did what men do these days. He said, "Okay, whatever. I'm not gonna fight it. You can have the full custody of the kids. You can have the 401k. You can have the house. You can just have everything. I gotta still pay you money, whatever." Now he's now he wants his wife and his family back, but his the divorce is so screwed up, he just can't make any headway because he didn't he didn't man up and fight. He just kind of listen what he he was aloof. But now she's mismanaging the money. She's turning the kids against him. The kids are cussing him out, talking about f you. These are little thirteen year old, twelve thirteen year old kids. Is there any way to open that back up, man? Please. Well, Depending on what's actually going on with the, you know, you'd have to see the financials and see what's actually happening. Um, could, with the help of an attorney, yes, you can petition the court to revisit the financial obligation because part of either the the divorce decree or the agreement, which is still going to be a divorce decree is going to be a determination as to what the obligations of the parties are. And if an individual's financial circumstances have changed, in this case, the man's financial circumstances changed where he can't afford to pay, say, $100 a week for the kids, the court, by law, is not going to obligate him to pay that. Mm -hmm. It's going to be based off of his income by statute for Indiana. Mm -hmm. So if, let's say, as a for instance, as an example, he was working for Lily. Mm -hmm. And he was making $450,000, $500,000 a year. He's making half a million dollars a year. She's going to be getting two, dollars $3,000 a week for two or three kids. Because the standard of living that they would have been accustomed to would require that the child support be around that much. 
well, if he got laid off or terminated, and now he's flipping burgers, the divorce decree still says that that's how much he owes based on the child support matrix. Mm-hmm. Well, now he's making, what, $28,000 a year? But the divorce decree still says that he's making this much? Mm-mm. He has to file something with the court to have that revisited. Can he revisit? Can he Can he also do that in case of child um, child custody and stuff? Instead of her having full custody, can he reapply, redo it and fight for? Depending <laughs> on what the actual decree was. Mm-hmm. Now, if there was, if there's other issues, again, I don't have, right. I don't know the ins and outs of that case. Exactly. But under normal circumstances, he'd be able to say, hey, you know, at the time this happened, I didn't have stable housing. Um, you know, I had some health issues or, you know, whatever may have been going on. I didn't have the ability to have the kids. So now I want them. Now I want fitty fitty. Mm-hmm. Girl, give them up. And also, they're not going to be at whatever school that they're at. They're going to a good school. So we're we getting the bulldog attorney thing going again. Right. Now, depending on what jurisdiction they're in, that may not fly. I know. But it's worth going and finding an attorney to see if it can happen. Because this is what's happening you know, she's allowing things to happen with the kids that are totally and believe me, I'm a very liberal thing when it comes to, you know, kids and parents interacting, you know. But when you're like turning, actually turning the kids against the father when he's not around and the kids are disrespecting him and the money that I'm giving you every month, you're mismanaging the money and spending it the crazy ways. That that's not a basis. <sighs> That's not a basis. Okay. That the money that oh the money part's not not the kid money, part. No. Oh, okay. Well, and really, even the disrespect. Okay. The, the money, the money that he that gets given in child support. It does not matter how that is spent. Mm-hmm. She does not have to provide an accounting. Right. She could spend it all on Louis Vuittons, all on red bottoms, and whatever else is that people spend good money on. So can he open, can he say, can he do it? One of the things I ask him to do is negotiate that look. From now on, the money, I ask, can you, if the kids need something, instead of giving her the money, can I just get the stuff for the kids? I know that has to be done before. No, before no, him. No, no, no. If if there's a divorce decree, it should be all the money that is going to the, her for the children should be going through the courts or the county. Okay. He should. There should be absolutely no exchange of money between the two parties. Beautiful. Mono a mono. Beautiful. Because he's not getting credit for that. Got you. Any money that he gives her, he's not getting credit for. So if he has child support obligations, he has to give it 
through the court. whatever governmental agency keeps track of it. Gotcha. If there is something in the decree that says that the kid's health stuff, you know, he covers half of it, then he, if I were him, I want the bill from the doctor's office. I'm not reimbursing you, crazy lady. Uh-uh. Mm-hmm. I'll pay the doctor's office directly because I don't trust you. I didn't trust you in the beginning because you're a liar. Mm-hmm. Clearly, you're turning your children against me, my children against me. Mm-hmm. In fact, I'm going to take over this. I will take over the payment on this account to make sure that it's done correctly so that you have more time to spend (laughs) with our children and your new boyfriend. Right. So the the process inside the mediation room in the court goes out like what? Okay. So uh, mediation will always come first. Um, Nine out of 10 times, you will not be in the same room as your spouse. (sighs) Okay. You can, if you guys are on good terms, then you can be. In my experience, it is not common that you are on good terms. So they separate you. Nobody supports you in any, if you're trying to save your marriage, nobody supports you whatsoever. In my experience, most people, when they get to this point, are not trying to save their marriage, Jerry. The fact that that we are dealing with a small section of people that are trying to save their marriage makes us an oddity. Right. The fact that I have worked with people who have successfully saved their marriage while practicing law makes me a $3 bill. Right. I mean, in truth, it does. It's like people just go, you want a divorce? Okay, well, you go. The court doesn't help. The lawyers don't help. The mediation don't help. The society doesn't help. Nobody cares. They just let people screw up and don't even make them do anything. And then they get what they want. And then their lives are worse than it was when they was. It's just, well, anyway. Well, it's because Jay, <sighs> what, what, what people forget is that the legal system is not here to fix this. The legal system is here to sort it out after it couldn't be fixed. We're here to try to mitigate a disaster. Yeah. We're here because A husband and wife's marriage fell apart. We're here because a guy robbed a T-Mobile store. We're here because someone ran a red light fleeing from police and killed kids crossing a street. We in the legal system are reactionary. Yes. Police too. We're a thermos, a thermometer. We're not a thermostat. Mm -hmm. And that's what people don't understand. 
We so tell you what the temperature is. We don't set that temperature. So basically what we're saying is, okay, the the, the mediation, they're, they're in separate rooms to me or, or in separate rooms or on the zoom. And then what? And then you'll have a mediator. The mediator is a otherwise disinterested third party that is hired by the two sides. That person has extra training. They are licensed in their state to do mediations, to conduct mediations. And they work with the two attorneys and their clients and they facilitate the communication between the parties, whether that's in different rooms by moving offers back and forth and bringing the parties closer together with their demands and their realistic expectations of settlement, or if everyone's in the same room, having realistic, respectful, calm communication discussions. Okay. What about the court hearing? Couldn't. Court hearings are very so, so in the in the mediation, does anybody get nobody gets to talk except the lawyer and the mediation person? No. Um you can have um the the parties speaking. Um you will uh, the um the parties, the husband and wife, they will have to have permission because you can absolutely blow up a mediation by talking out of turn, mm -hmm. which may be what you want, but normally not. Okay. And the courts kind of, well, how is the court the same way or? The court is very structured. It is very formal. Where a mediation is more like a back and forth with a referee, a court is a formal dance like a waltz there's particular places people stand there's particular gestures people have to make particular language the attorneys have to use particular clothes people have to wear it's all very formal some courtrooms are more formal than others the attorneys are custom to the courtrooms that they practice in. When you have a hearing, there are different types of hearings. Um, a pretrial conference is going to be different from a status conference. A status conference is going to be different from a status update hearing. A status conference is going to be different from, I already said a pretrial conference, but a evidentiary hearing. It's also going to be different from a deposition, which is not necessarily going to be a court hearing, but I have had depositions that are held in uh, hearing rooms in courthouses so that if there is an issue with a question being asked, it can be certified and immediately taken to a judge so that the judge can rule as to whether or not that question has to be answered. Um, 
It was very odd. Mm -hmm. But um, I have seen that done. Um, the trials, again, very formal, back and forth, um, opening statements, closing statements, presentation of evidence, all very unique, all very specific. Um, all right. Well, and for each case, very unique. Mm -hmm. So that's it, man. Uh, man, thanks so much, man. We went like 20 minutes overdue, but I'm, I'm sorry. I, I didn't want to cut it off um, because it, it was so, you know, it was very important. And I think, I think you helped a lot of people and, you know, um, I hope that, you know, you gave some really great strategy and tactics, which, you know, everybody loves strategy and tactics, right? <laughs> Nobody wants to that. pray. Nobody wants to pray, but boy, you give me some good strategy and tactics, boy. <laughs> so anytime, Jerry. Thanks, man. And um, um, I will talk soon and I hope to have you on again, man, uh, to get to, to go, you know, at, to talk some more, dude, when I, I need some help. <laughs> All right. Thanks, John. Have a good Thanks. day, man. Thank you, Cherry. Anytime. Just let me know. All right, brother. Bye-bye. All right. Bye. She's asked for divorce. Now what? Of course, you just didn't see it coming, but it has. So now what do you do? Well, what you do is step one, you decide to man up and fight for her no matter what. Step two, Decide if one of these categories in the Marriage Maintenance Master Plan fits your situation. A. She's asked for a divorce. B. She has left the home. C. Mutually agreed separation but didn't want it. D. She's in the home but distant or separate bedrooms. E. You're divorced but didn't want it. Now, step three. If you are in one of these critical situations or close to it, then register to watch the Marriage Masterclass immediately at www.savemycatholicmarriage.com. Step four, after watching the Masterclass, get the help you need by scheduling a discovery and strategy session to receive a proven plan of action tailored specifically for your situation. Many husbands will look at this and go back to allowing their marriage to fade into oblivion, accepting failure. But... Some will look at this and say, wonder if this works. Those are the warriors. Those are the husbands I want to go into battle with. Those are the husbands I want to work with. So allow me to help. Those that do nothing have a 100% chance of failure. Those that decide to battle, fight, and act like true men become worthy of winning their beloved back. Which are you? Visit www www.savemycatholicmarriage.com That's www.savemycatholicmarriage.com Learn how to once again become her hero. All right, fellas and ladies. I hope that you got a lot of information out of that. I know it was long, but what I'm going to do is I'm going to put the um, I'm going to put like on the, you know, inside the uh, description area, 
on YouTube and uh, on the audio podcast on Blueberry and all that stuff. I'm going to put where you can just skip the background information if you want and go straight to understanding divorce, um, because I know this is like a two hour, basically a two hour long um, podcast. And I know a lot of people don't want to watch the whole thing. So what I'll do is everywhere I put it, I'll have the description, which you can skip to this point in the into in the video and then you can um, watch it like that. So um, also. I'm going to have John, Big John on again because we're going, we didn't get into the church and in the Normans too much because the divorce thing was just too deep for me. I, I was sitting there. I was like, oh, <laughs> I was sitting there, boy. I was like, oh, in cap. I mean, I was all into it big time. So we're going to have him on again. And the next one talk about our Normans and the church and how the divorce and all that works together. So as we end today, as we always do. My quote from Pope Benedict XVI, which states, society offers you comfort, but you weren't made for comfort. You were made for greatness. So go forth, Christian soldier. The spiritual fight is upon you. Fast, pray, and prepare for battle. Thank you, Christian soldier, for listening in today. Do you have a critical or pressing problem in your marriage right now? Want help? Come on the show and ask me in person. We can do this completely anonymously. You don't have to be on camera or say your name. It's totally up to you. I would just love to have you as a guest on the show. More importantly, you would be helping other men as well. Contact me at RadicalQuestions at CatholicAlpha.com. And lastly, please share this podcast with someone that may need help in their marriage or relationship. Help me save a marriage today.